You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a b- But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Here are your hosts, Joe Galina, Frank Stample, and Mike Florio. Hello and welcome to Weekend Fantasy Updates. That is not Joe Galena. I am Frank Stanfield here with my guy, Michael Florio. Mike, long time no see. Uh, how'd you sleep, buddy? I slept good. <laughs> how, uh, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, for those who are not aware, I don't, I don't know how you, you wouldn't be if you're listening to this program. Um, I see Mike six out of seven days a week. I thought about that on the way in. I'm like, you know, my girlfriend's probably jealous. <laughs> I see Mike probably seven to eight hours a day. We do fantasy BFFs every weekday, and then we do weekend fantasy updates. So, you know, I just saw Mike last night, 5, 6 p.m., and here we go. We're back at it again. So I wanted to make sure that you slept well, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. And tomorrow, if you want to make it seven, you know, I'll, I'll be out watching the Bills game. You're more than welcome. You know, Mike, that is a very tempting offer, but... I'm not going to fall for your temptation. I'm doing sober January. That's no fun. Trying my hardest. Doing a little cleanse out here. You know what's fun? Bill's Mafia. Bill, Bill's Mafia is very fun. I, I cannot dispute that. Uh, but it was very tempting when you were telling me yesterday you are going out to watch the Bills. I was a little jealous, you know. Did, As did a Jets fan, it's, it's been a while. I, I tweeted this, but a Bills fan who is going to the game in Jacksonville, you know how you have to check a bag... Like when you fly, okay, and they give you like the tag and everything. He checked a Bills Mafia table. That's all he brought <laughs> was a table, and it's a Bills Mafia. On Who's it. going through that table? Uh, someone is, but I thought that was like they put a tag on the little table handle. Like it, I tweeted out, I just thought this is amazing that someone bought a table, painted Bills Mafia on it, and checked it to bring it down to Jacksonville. Not I bought one when I got to Jacksonville. They did it that way. That was pretty awesome. That's wild. That actually reminds me of last night. I was watching a Nick game, and um, Walt Clyde Frazier revealed that after he won an all-star MVP trophy, he bought a first-class ticket on the airplane back home for his <laughs> first for his MVP trophy because he said it was five feet tall, and he didn't trust somebody shipping it. So he just... I don't blame him. He bought an airplane first-class ticket for it and just stuck it next to himself. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, enough Walt Clyde Frazier, enough Buffalo Bills talk. Uh, we'll get into the Buffalo Bills later on as well, but I uh, just want to preview the show a little bit. It's going to be a stacked show. We're going to look a little bit at a review of Fantasy Football 2017, and we're going to take an early look at 2018. Some some polarizing players and kind of what to make of them going into next year, maybe where we'll be valuing them at their positions or where they should be where they should be targeted. We'll also look at some uh, some skill position players who are going to be NFL free agents, maybe try and figure out uh, what teams might be a good fit for those players. Um, and then in hour two, we'll do some NFL DFS for Wild Card Weekend. We have a great guest coming on, Larry Holder, who covers the New Orleans Saints for the New Orleans Times Picayune. And yes, I had to Google how to say the word Picayune multiple times. And we'll finish it up with some fantasy baseball talk. Some early fantasy baseball talk. You'll hear all that on the Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Mike and Frank will be back right after this.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. And we're back on Weekend Fantasy Update, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stanfield here with Michael Florio. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Roto underscore Frank. Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? At Michael F. Florio. The F in his name does stand for Frank. Just wanted to reiterate that. (laughs) All right, I previewed a little bit that we're going to talk about an early look at the 2018 fantasy football season. Kind of some polarizing players. And I want to start with one of the most interesting ones. Uh, Using some early 2018 rankings... I don't know where this guy technically is going to be ranked or where he should be ranked, but I, I find it very interesting. And that's Deshaun Watson, who came in and, and took the league by storm. If you look at what he did on a per-game basis, this guy averaged 24.1 fantasy points per game. That's in four-point passing touchdowns. To put that in perspective, the next closest was Russell Wilson, who finished as the QB1 this year overall, 21.7 fantasy points per game. So he was almost 3 points higher on a per game basis than Russell Wilson Um, and for more perspective that 24.1 fantasy points per game is nearly the same amount that Cam Newton averaged in his MVP season from two years ago in 2015 when he averaged 24.3 fantasy points per game so that that kind of gives you an idea of how well Deshaun Watson played the problem is trying to figure out how sustainable it is I mean 9.3% touchdown Percentage And I know that we were screaming for regression, but then it was that game where he played against Seattle where he just absolutely went off. And we kind of, you know, we, we, we put the flat pole in the ground after that. And we were like, all right, this guy's legit. Uh, I think he's a must-start kind of guy. And then he goes and tears his ACL, unfortunately, in practice. So, Mike, how do you feel about Deshaun Watson, what he did this year? Obvious regression. I don't think we obviously we, we can expect him to perform like a QB like the QB one on a per game basis, but what he did kind of tells us otherwise. I think there's obvious regression coming, like you said. I he has he's a great talent and he has good talented weapons around him. So yeah, he will be drafted as a top ten quarterback, deservingly so. But while he was healthy last year, his nine point three touchdown percentage, Frank, since two thousand, only one Player, one quarterback with at least 150 passing attempts in a season had higher. It was Peyton Manning in 2004 when he had 9.9%. Only one other time has the quarterback had over 9%. It was when Aaron Rodgers actually had 9 on the nose in 2011. So we're looking at the company that he was in last year as all-time great quarterbacks in Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning's best season of touchdown production... That's not even the season where, you know, he rewrote the record book. This was 2004, his highest touchdown percentage since 2000 on. And Aaron Rodgers, his best season in his career in touchdown percentage. So I do not think Deshaun Watson is going to be able to, one, keep up this pace, and two, duplicate it where these guys, these all-time talents, weren't able to. I think the more of a larger sample size that he has, that touchdown percentage is going to come down. But with that being said, the volume is going to get larger, obviously, so... I, I do buy into his talent. I do think he is deservingly of being a 
top. Like, like I'm gonna say like seven quarterback, but I, it I think there's going to be guys willing to take him like right after the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I think he, there will be someone who wants to take him third. Mike, as you know, I'm starting to look into some consistency from the 2017 season. I started with the quarterback position. I'm looking at how often quarterbacks finished as uh, top 12 at their position because you know a lot of leagues. While we push for people to play in super flex leagues a lot of people still play in one quarterback league so to be a QB1 you look at the top 12 of that position so I've been looking at how often quarterbacks in the 2017 finished uh, season finished top 12 on a weekly basis Deshaun Watson in the six games that he started finished not just top 12 he finished top nine in five out of six of those games including four straight where he was not just the QB1, Mike. Not, not just a top nine QB. He was either the QB1 or the QB2. I mean, this guy is in a position to succeed. If they can build up that offensive line, they have pound for pound maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL in DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they go out and bring a tight end. We saw some speculation throughout the season that they were trying to trade for a Jimmy Graham. He's going to be a free agent. So, Maybe they try and bring him in. That only helps a Deshaun Watson. Uh, they have Will Fuller who can stretch the field. We saw how well that he was playing with Deshaun Watson as well. So you said top seven or eight. I'm looking at some early rankings where... Because if, if the touchdown regression hits him, like I yes. think it's going to, he is not going to be finishing there. You look at it. He had in his six games, seven games, I'll take the one away. Well, actually, no, I'm going to count it. He threw 23 passes in that one. That's when he came in at the half. Uh, 102 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 125 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. 300, two and two, then 283 and four, 261 and five, 225 and three, and the 402 and four, which was the monsters game against the Seahawks. But those games, those yardage don't jump off the screen at you. It's the touchdowns, and I'm sorry, I, I said this about Carson Wentz early in the year, and he was able to keep defying it. But over the long stretch, even like going into next year, I don't, don't think it's sustainable for quarterbacks to throw 230, 250 yards around there, even if they get it up a little bit to 270, but rely on that three, four, five touchdowns a game. I, I don't think that's sustainable. All right, so you brought up Carson Wentz. Between the two, who would you rather have going Carson into next Wentz, season? Carson Wentz, easily. Really easily? Yes. Why is that? Because Carson Wentz, one, has done it for a longer stretch of time. Two, I think, I believe in that system, and they were all systems go when he was out there. And I know I said the yardage, the the touchdowns, I think we're going to regress. If I think that's going to happen to both of these guys, I'm going to go with the guy that I've seen do it for a longer period of time, more game under, uh, more experience under his belt, and... He, they both do it with their legs. Carson Wentz, though, doesn't get credit for doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. we've seen some incredible stuff from Carson Wentz where you know he can escape uh, tacklers, get outside the pocket, make these plays down the field. I forgot which game it was where he was literally going down to the ground and still was able to hurl a ball like 40 yards down the field. It was incredible stuff from Carson Wentz. Uh, we brought up the TD percentage from Deshaun Watson, which, which seems unsustainable. Uh, but among qualified quarterbacks this year, Carson Wentz actually led all of them with the 7.5% TD rate. Uh, Carson Wentz actually finished as the QB5 overall in points, despite only playing 13 games. So that's incredible stuff from him. Do you think they're both top six, seven-ish quarterbacks? or yeah. I mean, because they're coming off big injuries. I mean, it's torn ACLs. Uh, I'd have to look into more uh, information about quarterbacks coming back from, from torn ACLs, whether they're going to be ready. I think they A will be. A lot will be determined by 
training camp and how they look in preseason. But they both the early reports indicate that both are going to be ready for training camp. So I, I think that people are going to look at that as they're fully back and just look at what they did last year. And it's something that I just brought up a lot this week on BFFs. People are going to expect these guys to take the next step forward. And while I'm talking about touchdown regression, yeah, it's probably going to hit Carson Wentz. Since 2000, his 7.5 was the ninth highest amongst quarterbacks with at least 150 passing attempts. But if that 7.5 comes down to 6.5 or 5, something like that, that's a, a lot better than it coming down from 9.3 to like 6 or 5%. Like That is a huge hit that could happen to Deshaun Watson. So while I like Watson... I mean, is six games really enough for you to make him, to, to put him ahead of guys that we've seen do it for years? That's the question. That's the question that everyone's going to have to figure out. Um, like a Kirk Cousins, a Ben Roethlisberger, lumping I, those guys in. I, I mean, Deshaun Watson has a little bit more upside because of his rushing ability. He can yeah. get outside the pocket. He can make plays with his legs. We saw that this year that he can rush for touchdowns as well. So, I mean, between Watson and Carson Wentz, while Wentz can get out and make plays with his legs... I think the rushing floor, that kind of production, is probably going to be safer from a Deshaun Watson. Uh, where would you rank those two youngsters in comparison to, like, you know, some of the guys that we've seen do it before, like a, I don't know, Cam Newton, for example? Is Cam Newton head and shoulders ahead of those guys? They're close, but I think I would take Cam. Like, I'm uh, Cam. I'm taking Russell Wilson. Uh, he might be my number one overall quarterback next year. Like, especially if they don't fix the running game. Yeah, I, that, that's I, a huge part of it. Like, they had to rely on him. So much this year. One year after setting career high in pass attempts, he came back and did it again this year because they had no semblance of a running game at all. Yeah, I'm taking him. I'm taking Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers for sure over over both of these guys. I think four. I might go Wentz. Like I, obviously, a lot is going to change, but as of right now, I think I would have Wentz over Watson and Cam. Cam and Watson are very close. I think I would lean Cam just because we've seen it more. I, I I know we spoke a lot about this week about how it's purely rushing base with him, but we know who Cam is at this point. The book is still very much open. Six games does not prove anything. Remember, uh, Nick Foles looked really good one season, and then it came crashing down for him. So I don't know if six games is enough for me to invest a fourth or a fifth round pick on a guy. I, I, I'm not saying I'm not going to have Watson ranked around these guys, but... I don't think I'm going to have him on a lot of teams. Where would Cousins, we still have to figure out where he's going to end up. Where would Cousins, Big Ben, and maybe like a Rivers, kind of you know veteran guys at this point. Big Ben and Rivers are noticeably older than Kirk Cousins, but we've seen these guys do it for a few years now. Where would that trio kind of rank in with the young guys too? Are they like clearly behind them? Are you going to take the upside of a, of a Wentz? I think Wentz is much safer at yes, this point than Watson because we've seen him do it over you know, a 13-game stretch of a full season and probably would have finished out strong as well. Uh, but where would you rank those kind of veteran quarterbacks over like a Deshaun Watson? They'd be... like I think Watson would be in the, mi- like, in the middle of the, the really safe number ones where I would put Carson Wentz in there as well. And then the old guys would be like that third tier. Watson would be the one in the middle, kind of like Jameis Winston was this year. Good stuff there. I have one more quarterback I want to get to, uh, and Corey Parson might want to listen to this one. That should give you a little hint about uh, who it's going to be, but we'll be back right after this Weekend Fantasy Update, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Weekend Fantasy Update here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stample alongside Michael Florio. No Joe Galina here today. He's taking care of some business, if you know what I'm saying. It's a new year, same old Joe Galina. So, with that being said, I teased it before the break. Will the real Dak Prescott please stand up? If you are a Dallas Cowboys fan, if you are a Dak Prescott owner, Feel free to call in, 844-843-6879. Let us know what it was like to own Dak Prescott, because I didn't own Dak in any leagues this year, but I'm sure you probably got off to a hot start, and then it came tumbling down with the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. In the first eight games of the season, some of that consistency that I was telling you about, Dak Prescott finished as a top-12 quarterback six of his first eight games. Over his next seven games, through Week 16, He finished as a top 12 quarterback just once. That was in week 14 against the New York Giants. So, with that being said, we kind of had to take that with a grain of salt because the only good game we saw out of Nick Foles was against the New York Giants' paltry defense. So, Dak Prescott in the second half of the season, no Ezekiel Elliott, offensive line kind of in shambles. We saw that game against the Atlanta Falcons where he got sacked, what, six or seven times by the same guy? I'm trying to figure out who the real Dak Prescott is. He finished his QB6 last year, finished his QB11 this year, but it looks like he really, really is dependent on having Ezekiel Elliott around and a good offensive line. I can't blame the guy for that, but with that being said, for fantasy football, I mean, you kind of need a guy who's going to get it done regardless of who's around him because there's going to be injuries on the football field, obviously. So, Mike, what is your analysis of Dak Prescott's 2017, and what are you kind of projecting for 2018? Uh, I think Dak Prescott is one of the toughest players in fantasy football to figure out. I agree. I would say if I had to predict, I think Dak Prescott is more a product of the system and the weapons around him than it is that he makes those. But you look at him early on when he was having success in this season. It was touchdown reliant. He had one touchdown his first game. And then he had multiple touchdowns in one, two, three, four, five. The next five games had a game with zero and then had another two touchdowns there. So in six of his first eight games, he had multiple passing touchdowns. He did His high yardage in that eight games was 268 yards. You're looking at it. A lot. Of, he had 230, 183, 234, so 249. Like There was a lot of like 250 and three, which isn't a bad line at all. And... He gets credit for like being a rushing quarterback. He doesn't really add a whole lot what it's like. So he'll give you about two extra points a game, which you're not going to scoff at because that equates to about 50 passing yards. But it's not like, besides the rushing touchdowns, that's what he brings. He's not going to be confused with a Cam Newton or a Russell Wilson, a guy like that. He doesn't provide that kind of rushing yards, or at least he didn't this year. But 
I think that Dak Prescott is a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. If I take him, I'm going to feel like I need to have a backup quarterback because we've seen at times, like this year especially, he just faded away in games. And this there was a second half of the year where not only did you not want to start him, I was saying you could drop Dak Prescott. So it got ugly fast with him. Obviously, next year you expect to have Ezekiel Elliott the full season, but still, even that... He, I, I don't want to overvalue him, and I felt like coming into this year, some people were very high on him, and early in the year it worked out. I was lower on him. I had him outside my top 12. It wasn't the best call, but if I draft Dak Prescott next year, I'm going to feel like I need to have an insurance policy. The one thing that I do feel safe about is something you brought up is the rushing touchdowns. Six rushing touchdowns in both his first and second seasons. I think that's pretty safe. I'm looking at his red zone rushing and all six of those touchdowns came from within the red zone so that seems like something that they're actually drawing up for him once they get into the red zone obviously the threat of having Ezekiel Elliott if he's running a read option play that's very very tough for defenses to try and stop because I mean anytime Ezekiel Elliott's in there you have to account for him and if he fakes a handoff to him a large majority of the defense is going to go that way But what I find interesting is that even when Ezekiel Elliott was out, it's not like the Cowboys got nothing from their running backs. It's it's you can't just say okay Ezekiel Elliott was out and the Cowboys' run game was terrible. Like Alfred Morris and Rod Smith were not terrible by any means. I know the offensive line suffered a little bit from injuries, but he still had a pretty good running game. I think they need to get another wide receiver in there opposite Des Bryant. That's been a hot topic of conversation talking about you know the letdown of Des Bryant this year is that they need to get somebody opposite him. I think Dak Prescott specifically needs another weapon out there because Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, old-ass Jason Witten, I'm not sure these guys are getting it done. Mike, you said something interesting during the break to me, and it was more of a question. You said, am I crazy that I kind of want to have Gucci Garoppolo over Dak Prescott heading into 2018? I said it's not crazy. I, I think the upside is just so high with, with Gucci, especially we got to see who they add. We expect them to bring another wide receiver there opposite of Marquise Goodwin, who played extremely efficient this season. And, Frank, on your point, though, about Alf not playing bad, Alf actually averaged more yards per carry than Ezekiel Elliott did this year. So, yeah, so I don't really so, know where we're at with the whole he needs Ezekiel Elliott around to be good And Alf is narrative. not nearly as talented as Zeke, and the defenses Agreed. are not going to focus in on Alf like they were to focus in on the passing game when you had Alf out there. But still, I mean, he ran efficiently. And to your point on Des Bryant, I said it from the start of the year. I think Des is is no is a shell of his former self. He doesn't create separation. He's not a deep threat like he used to be. To me, he's kind of like an Alshon Jeffrey slash like Jimmy Graham kind of molded into one. Good red zone presence isn't going to take the top of the defense at all like they used to. Can't really create that separation. you got to force the ball into a tight window. And this has been a, a trend. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a trend in Dak's two seasons, His all his numbers while going to Dez are worse than while going to other options. So Dez Bryant is not nearly what he used to be. I think Dez Bryant force-feeding him the ball hurts Dak Prescott. But moving on to Jimmy Garoppolo, he's never lost an NFL game in his career, first of all. And that, obviously that's not going to continue, but... Bill, I, I trust Bill Belichick. I, I think if there's any person whose opinion you're going to trust, it should be Bill Belichick. And you you read the article from yesterday. You know that Bill Belichick did did everything in his power to not trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And for good reason. He went to the hopeless 
49ers, who were just a laughing stock all year, and went undefeated with them 5-0. and Now he has Kyle Shanahan there, and we saw what Shanahan has done with quarterbacks in the past. So I, I'm very excited as to what his upside can be going forward, and I think the ceiling it is a, is higher than Dak Prescott, who, like I said, Dak Prescott is probably a low-end QB1, going to have some really nice games, going to have some not-so-great games, but the ceiling is never, never going to be high. He's not going to win you. I mean, he's not going to lose you all every week, but you know that that upside is capped every single week with the Dak Prescott. I don't think you could say the same about Jimmy Garoppolo. You mentioned the five wins with Jimmy G against uh, for the 49ers. I do want to mention that they were against the Bears, they were against the Texans, against the Titans, who are a playoff team, so we can't you know just completely sweep them under the rug. But he hung 44 points on the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. That is that is mighty impressive for Jimmy G coming in here and. What I find even more impressive is he did it in the first year of Kyle Shanahan's offense, man. Matt Ryan. Not just the first year. MVP. Th- three weeks. MVP Matt Ryan, the NFC champion, Atlanta Falcons. This offense took a few years under the Kyle Shanahan offense to really thrive. Jimmy G, just give me a few weeks. I think they they heavily toned it down for him, which should only make you more excited that he is going to have a full off season work. These two are going to have a full off season working together, getting the assuming full they bring down. him back, which they they're, definitely they, should. They are not. There's <laughs> no way he is not the 49ers quarterback next year. And if you want to talk about stuff that we brought up for why Wentz or, or Watson could regress. Jimmy Garoppolo's touchdown percentage this year was 3.9 percent, and there was one thing if you remember during this season that I I harped on why I wasn't fully jumping in for Jimmy Garoppolo. It was because he struggled in the red zone. I think you get better weapons around him. You get a guy who is a legitimate force inside the red zone because as much as Marquise Goodwin, as good as he played this year, that's not his game. And if you get someone like Maybe they bring in a Josh Gordon or someone along those lines. They, that's what they you, need. They need a big body red you, zone you type get wide receiver. Someone like that, and I think the sky is the limit for, for this 49ers offense and Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't forget, they're getting Pierre Garcon back, too. I mean, that is a professional NFL wide receiver where, okay, he's not a, a Josh Gordon. He's not a huge guy who's going to he's make his presence felt either, in the red zone. No, he's not going to, but he's a professional wide receiver who can run all the routes that you want him to. He has strong hands. He's a good blocker, very, very physical wide receiver. Receiver. You have Pierre Garcon. You have Marquise Goodwin who could take the top off a of defense. You have a young tight end in a George Kittle who showed some flashes this year. You got to figure out what you're going to do at running back. Maybe you trade up, try and get a Saquon Barkley. Maybe you bring back Carlos Hyde. But this offense is going to be fun heading into 2018. I get scared that they might get a little bit overrated when it, when it comes to draft season, though. We'll, we'll figure that out as we get closer. But... It's Mike and Frank here on the Weekend Fantasy Update, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back right after this. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product.
Welcome back to Weekend Fantasy Update. Frank Stample here with Michael Florio, my fantasy BFF. If you have a question, comment, maybe maybe you have a question about some fantasy playoff challenges or some DFS, anything life-related, doesn't matter. Call in 844-843-6879 or send your questions to at roto underscore Frank on Twitter or at Michael F. Florio on Twitter. And Frankie, while you bring up the BFFs, yes, just sir? so everyone knows, Greg always plays the victim that we don't invite him anywhere. We invited him onto today's show. And <laughs> you're not wrong. He said, no. So, yeah, like, like he's got so much better stuff to be doing on a Saturday. So, so what please, do you think Greg Sussman is doing right now? Watching wrestling or something worse. <laughs> please, uh, if you're <laughs> listening, tweet at Greg Sussman and give him a hard time for not joining his BFFs. It's a good point right there. I like that. <laughs> Do you think he's wearing some elbow pads right now? Definitely. With his big scarf that he wears and that pipe that he smokes out of. <laughs> I was going to wear an elbow pad sweater today, and I would only wear it on weekends because I don't want Greg to see it, and he's definitely not listening, so he'll never know that I have an elbow sweater unless you tell him. I would take a picture and tweet it out 100%. <laughs> and I would expect nothing less. But with that being said, maybe let's try a little bit of rapid fire here. This kind of always happens whenever I'm in control of the show is that I harp on topics for too long, but maybe it's not a bad thing. Derrick Henry heading into the 2018 season. I guess the biggest question mark is whether or not DeMarco Murray will be back with this team. To be honest, I don't know. The 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 contract situation, I could pull that up, but I'm pretty sure DeMarco Murray is under contract for next season. And, I mean, regardless if whether or not he's there, I mean, they're going to have a pass-catching kind of complimentary back role to... Derrick Henry. Uh, the big thing, though, is if he is, he is actually a free agent in 2020. So, yeah, he is here for the next two seasons. But they could probably cut him and save they, money. They could. If DeMarco Murray is back, at the very best for Derrick Henry, I think we can expect, like, 50-50. Maybe, maybe if he vastly starts to play him, like, 60-40 in the rushing game. In the passing game, it's always going to be DeMarco Murray. And I don't think DeMarco Murray goes away quietly. In fact, I think part of the reason he played all year banged up was because he was afraid of getting Wally pipped and losing the job to a Derrick Henry. I think next year, if he comes in healthy, there'll probably be like a 50-50 split on the carries, which makes it a backfield that you want to avoid, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If DeMarco Murray's there, I want nothing to do with Derrick Henry. But let's play play the the speculative game because that's fun. If he's gone... I could see Derrick Henry, not to the same extent, but having a Jordan Howard light type season. Type season, not maybe not thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred rushing yards. We're, I'm not going to expect much out of the receiving game. You know, maybe twenty five to thirty receptions max. But I think that he can give you eleven to twelve hundred rushing yards, eight plus rushing touchdowns, which is probably going to make him a high end RB two if there's no Demarco Murray around. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I'd probably have him in like that fourteen to like. 18 range at running back. Uh, looking at some of the names, uh, like there, I could pick out like 12, 13 guys instantly that I would want over Derrick Henry if DeMarco Murray was gone. But then he's right in the conversation with all those other guys. So yeah, I think that is a fair assessment. And ideally, you would want DeMarco Murray to leave and go somewhere else where he can be like a workhorse back. And then you get two good backs with getting a lot of volume rather than two of them sharing the workload, which just makes a, a huge headache for fantasy. Do you think that can happen, though? Do you think DeMarco Murray can find his way onto another team and still be a workhorse running back? Yes. I feel like we're so quick to kind of 
write off running backs, and he's not that old. He's like what twenty nine years old. Yeah, I, I certainly think he can find a job somewhere. Like we brought up Seattle. If he is on the market, I think Seattle could be interested in him. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not a bad call right there. Uh, looking at DeMarco Murray's 2017, it was eerily similar to his down year from the Phil, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles two years ago, uh, where he rushed for just 702 yards, six touchdowns, and he had 44 receptions. This year, 659 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, uh, 39 receptions. So not not too far off from his 2015 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe maybe he's just an even year kind of guy. So um, I, here's I think, to hoping Demarco Murray leaves the Tennessee Titans and we I have think two it, starting running backs. You could make excuses for both of his bad years too. Like the Philly. The oh, Eagles this is a terrible was fit. A terrible fit. They didn't use him right. Chip Kelly had no idea yeah. how to use. They DeMarco tried to Murray. make him an East-West runner, and, yeah. and that's not what he is. He's not Lashawn McCoy. And then. This year, which they traded LeSean McCoy for Kiko Alonso, I may yeah, definitely regret great that. Great trade. <laughs> oh, you should be thanking your lucky they, stars for that they trade, asked Mike. LeSean McCoy about it when he got the trade, and he said, "Who is Kiko Alonso?" <laughs> <laughs> they brought that up last week when they played Miami. But and then this year, you know, he had the hamstring injury from before training camp, so you know there's going to be Demarco Murray backers who are saying he's healthy this year. The injury concerns are behind him. I expect him to be what he was two years ago. Moving on, another polarizing name from this past season. Dreadful, dreadful yards per carry. He let us down as one of the hyped-up rookies coming in. That is Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on this Bengals team. But I don't think it's going to happen because Marvin Lewis, for all his years of mediocrity and in a down year for the Cincinnati Bengals, gets rewarded a two-year contract extension. So I don't know what's going to happen with the Cincinnati Bengals team but just 3.5 yards per carry for Joe Mixon. He was very inconsistent at times. We saw a, a part of the season, a very a very small part, where he looked productive. And I don't want to doubt his talent, but it all starts with the offensive line. So I, I think that's a huge, uh, a huge question mark that they have to address in the offseason. But... D- can you see us kind of buying back into Joe Mixon the way that we did this year? Because I think, you know, they sign an offensive lineman, they draft a few, and then we're going to just be right back where we were this year. We're going to say, oh, Andy Dalton with A.J. Green, they have all these weapons, Joe Mixon's going to be a beast, blah, 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 and we're going to kind of trick ourselves back into him. No, I don't think we're going to be as hyped for him as we are this year. Maybe he could be a post-hype sleeper, a bounce-back candidate. I think the volume that we'll project for him will have him be a top 24 running back. But I don't think we are going... Maybe You you could be right, and it very well could happen, but something would have to change for Joe, for us, I think, at least, for fantasy experts and, and players and everyone to buy back and be like, this guy has the upside to be one of the best running backs in the league because he had the opportunity all year, and we didn't see it. And what hurts him the most, I think, you look at Giovanni Bernard's last five games of the season... He had double-digit carries in all five of those games. The only five games he had double-digit carries in this season. He averaged more than five yards per carry in four out of five of them. So, yeah, so it kind of makes you question, like, hey, what the hell were you doing, Joe Mixon? Because Gio Bernard is running behind the same offensive line. And as we all know, I mean, he helped people not only make it to fantasy championships, he helped people win fantasy championships. The, the one game he didn't do it either was against Minnesota. So you give him a pass on that one. Not many running backs average a good yards per carry against the Vikings. So Joe Mixon, I'm sure the talent is there. We saw it. We saw flashes of it. We know how explosive this guy can be. But there, it, it just it can't all just be blamed on the bad offensive line. I remember I brought this up at BFFs. At one point in the season, there was a stat that uh, 
Joe Mixon was leaving like a lot of yards on the table because his vision wasn't great. Instead of running to the open holes, he was trying to cut back, go the other direction, and there was like a lot of. I forget where I read it, but there was a whole lot of like proof and like video and everything, and it's easy to watch back and be like, oh yeah, he should have hit this hole, he should have hit that crease. But when when you're not doing it, that leads to you leaving yards on the field. Yeah, and I think it's a great point bringing up Gio Bernard. I think there's a chance that it's not going to be a 50-50 split, but maybe with what Gio Bernard did towards the end of this season, we're seeing more of a... 70-30, 65-35 kind of split where he's working himself in more than just passing downs and kind of, you know, a change of pace kind of back know. or something like that. They use a second-round pick on Joe Mixon, so obviously there is a lot there to like. And he should have been a first-round draft pick if it weren't for off-the-field issues. Like, I, I believe that the talent is there with Joe Mixon, but, I mean, you can't deny the numbers that Gio Bernard just put up. So yeah, I, I, I question whether or not, you know, maybe he'll take on a bigger workload heading into next but, year. But we know who Gio is and, and how they've used him for years. I would be surprised if that changed. It's kind of disrespectful for the guy, too. <laughs> I mentioned that we were going to talk about some skill position players, Mike, that are on the free agency this year. Um, before we do that, is there anyone else on this, you know, kind of 2018 preview list that jumps out to you that you want to mention real quick? I guess if we were just going to go quick hitter, Chris Carson depends on what they do there. T.Y. Hilton, if Andrew Luck is healthy, I think T.Y. Hilton's back. Edelman all depends on where he ends up because I actually think the Patriots move on from him. And Robbie Anderson is the man. If they were going to move on from him, do you think they would have done it already? From who? From Julian Edelman? How they Well, I don't think they could have because they were expecting him to be healthy this year. And then I think he got hurt. They realized their offense kept up, kept going. And I think they're going to be in the market for like a Jarvis Landry or someone like that. I don't know if they're going to want to go with a, I believe he's 32 years old, wide receiver coming off of an, a severe knee injury who relies on cutting and everything like that to get open. Robbie Anderson is fun. As you know, Mike, you can reveal it to the audience. I'm Everyone knows you're a Jets fan. Wearing my New York Jets shirt this afternoon. And Robbie Anderson... Prove that he's not, he wasn't just a flash in the pan. He's not just a down-the-field wide receiver. I do think that he is a legitimate wide receiver. I question whether he is a wide receiver one. I don't think that he is a wide receiver one for NFL purposes. I think they have to either use a draft pick on something like that or bring someone in in free agency because they have a lot of money to spend. Uh, but I certainly like what he did this year with the likes of Josh McCown. And I think that's a good transition into Kirk Cousins. And we don't really know where Kirk Cousins is is going to end up. Personally, I don't think he's back with Washington. I really don't think so. I, they're not going to franchise him for $35 million. Uh, I think this guy wants to get locked up long-term, and I think some team... He doesn't. He doesn't. You, you think he just no, wants no, to keep no, playing no. you? He said he loves getting franchised. Because yeah, well, the, yeah, of course he loves it. The salary goes for up every million. year. And but he, for financial security. You, he said he play, thinks it, it motivates you more to play your best under one-year deal. I actually remember reading a whole article that like he doesn't mind. A lot of people thought it was disrespectful to him. He said, no, I, like, I enjoy doing this. And I don't blame him because he's made $50 million and a chance to make another $30-plus this year. Do you think he's back in Washington? As of right now, I, I kind of do. I don't think they're stupid enough to let him walk and not have a plan in place. I think he goes to Arizona, to be honest. Oh, I don't want that at all. Why not? David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald? I don't want that. That could be fun. I think Kirk Cousins goes to Arizona. We'll talk about a few more players here to wrap up our one. Weekend Fantasy Update, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis. Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. And we're back. Weekend Fantasy Update. Frank Stanfield here with Michael Florio. It was a really, really interesting 2017, Mike. A lot of weird things going on involving the state of this country. Especially towards the end there. To start 2018. We got a lot of weird things going on. Some kind of threats being made. But we're not here to talk politics. We're here to talk about fantasy football, Mike. And with all that being said, with all this crazy stuff going on, I feel like it'd be a good time for us to just choose some kind of breakout guys for 2018. Guys that we think are going to go nuclear. With that being said, Mike, who do you think breaks out in 2018 fantasy football? I have two guys, and the way I came across these two guys were last year before the season, I looked at guys who ranked towards the top in yards per target and catch percentage. So when the ball's thrown their way, not only are they catching it at a high rate, but they're doing a lot with it. And Adam Thielen was the one player that stood out, and I actually wrote that people should draft him late in the drafts. I wish I did that more myself. Two guys who jumped out, not nearly as impressive as Adam Thielen was last year, but one is Terrell Williams who was fourth in the league in yards per target, and where was he in? Uh, he was 15th in catch percentage. Both of those were better. He increased on those from his year before that, and the numbers weren't great at the end of the year. He took a step back from the year before, but it was just volume. Like You look at all his percentages and all those stats, his ratio stats, he improved, and I think that that is going to continue to show next year. I'm hoping that the Chargers kind of weed out their weapons and they... Go with a Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Terrell Williams on the outside type offense. I know Mike Williams is still there. And the other real quick, Sterling Shepard, who also did well in those metrics. In catch percentage, Sterling Shepard was ninth, And yards per target, he was 24th. We saw him take step forwards this year as being just a volume receiver. But what he needs to do is get a little bit back to what he did last year, being utilized a little bit more in the red zone. I think with Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram and whoever they get at quarterback, maybe it's still Eli Manning, they have the weapons in place. Hopefully Brandon Marshall's gone, and they go with those three as their weapons. Both of these guys need the volume jump to really become make it to that next threshold, but the talent is there with both of these guys. I will say that I trust Sterling Shepard a little bit more. Uh, definitely the talent. I think he's a more well-rounded wide receiver. Uh, but for what the Giants are going to do, they already have Odell Beckham. They have Evan Engram. Uh, and then they have Sterling Shepard over the middle of the field. So I definitely like that call. I'd like to see what Tyrell Williams can do and build off that. Uh, my, my picks are certainly not as deep, not as bold. But this would be it would be fun, man. I want to know what happens with Josh Gordon, where he ends up, but I think that this is a guy that can just absolutely blow up again in 2018. If he keeps his head on his shoulders the right way, you look at what he did, the five games here that he played with the Cleveland Browns, this is with Deshaun Kaiser as his quarterback. I mean, four for 85 against Casey Hayward, three for 69 and a touchdown against the Green Bay Packers, which 
all came early in that game. We thought he could have had a bigger game, but uh, five for 47 against the Ravens, two for 19 against the Bears. I'll give him a pass in that game because that was a snowy conditions, whatever. That was a weird game. And then four for 115 against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in week 17. So I think Josh Gordon, if he ends up in the right place, show that he can still be talented. And I think there are going to be teams that want this guy on uh, their roster. I think you know, one that comes to mind, you brought up the San Francisco 49ers. The other one, maybe the Dallas Cowboys there opposite Des Bryant. And the other one, who I hope doesn't turn into the next J.H.I., and I'm not just saying that because they played on the same team together, but it is Kenyon Drake. You look at the games that he had at least 13 carries this year, he had 4.38 yards per carry or better in every single one of those. He had two games where he was over 100 yards rushing. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He nearly took us to the GST championship against Scott Engel. But we came up just short. It was still a fun season, especially with Kenyon Drake down the stretch. Hour two coming up. Weekend fantasy update. 